Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen and amen. What a, what a powerful um, just word of scripture this morning, and I'm reminded... Yeah, and y'all can talk back anytime, right? By the way, I know what to do when that happens, right? And so I'm reminded this morning, and as I was listening to the words of that song, and I was thinking about just how God has stirred my heart over uh, just what we are going to look at in the Word of God today, uh, I'm reminded that those who look on Him are radiant, that there's something incredible that happens when we behold the face of Jesus and we see him for who he is. And we're reminded of his greatness and his glory, uh, that there is something that God does in our lives as we become transformed, as as we begin to look more and more like him. I'm reminded uh, in in the New Testament, in in the book of Acts, there was a a group who uh, had been proclaiming the good news of who Jesus was. There was a lame uh, beggar that had been healed. Uh, And in those moments, Uh, the people were not excited, right? The religious leaders, they were not excited. And uh, they began to look at these men and they said, you know, uh, Peter and John, they said, who are they? They, They're just unlearned and ignorant fishermen. And and the crowd responded, right? They'd seen miracles take place. They'd seen the the move of God. They'd seen Jesus working in their lives and the gospel had been proclaimed that Jesus had died a sinner's death on a cross in their place and had risen from the grave. And that at the name of Jesus, one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. They've been proclaiming the good news of who he is. Miracles had been taking place. And they said, who are those? Those just unlearned and ignorant fishermen. And they said, but you can't help but see that they've been with Jesus. And it's my hope that as the people of God today gather around the word of God and we worship the Lamb of God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that the people would be able to see that there's been a change because we've been in his presence. And they might see a little bit of Jesus reflecting in us because when we look on him, Jesus changes Everything and the reason, like today, as we as we think about this 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 call that we have uh, to live our lives sacrificially, we've been looking at the book of Romans, chapter twelve, in a series called "Therefore." Uh, and Lord willing, we're going to get through another verse today. Amen. And so, we don't have to be in a big rush, right? We don't have to be in a big rush, right? So we're going to look, but we're going to look at verse one and two together today, and, and we're going to see right there's been this call that we might present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And he said, this is our reasonable worship, right? And I love the heart of worship in this place, right? That we lift high the name of Jesus and that we shout and we glorify his name. But I want you to know that the real measure of our worship is in the surrender of our lives. And and last week, we started this series, right? Therefore, and we got kind of stirred up as we look back at Romans chapter 1 through 11. And we were reminded that the reason that we present our bodies as a living sacrifice. It's not motivated because we're expecting anything from Jesus. We're not coming in here to worship him because we uh, feel like he owes us something or we're going to earn something. What we understand is that we've been motivated by mercy and that in his great mercy that he has loved sinners, that he has given us uh, hope in Christ, that he has uh, allowed us to be justified by faith in the finished work of the cross. And because of that, therefore, we come and the very reasonable sacrifice, the very reasonable response of our worship is to present ourselves to him, holy and surrendered, right? And last week, 
I got this message after church, and they said, you know, uh, just really encouraged by the, by the message, encouraged by uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. They said, I was looking at my Bible uh, and my little study commentary, and there was a commentator said, hey, uh, the difference between a lot of Christians uh, in being wholly surrendered and coming and offering a little bit of our lives is the difference between uh, the chicken and the pig when it comes to the breakfast that some of you ate uh, this morning, right? The chicken contributes a few eggs along the way and gives just a little bit of uh, its time, a little bit of what it produces, right? But the pig, he gives everything. And God desires whole, complete surrender. He desires all of you. And when we do, I want to just tell you this morning, when you do, and I would have never believed this, when I was running and going my own way and, and living in the ways of this world and being conformed to the pattern of this world and believing that you could drink your way into happiness and you could experience happiness in all these other places, you could have never believed. You could have never told me that apart from any of that, that you can experience the greatest joy that you'll ever experience in your life in Christ as you walk in His ways. But I want to tell you, we experience life abundant. Jesus said the thief. And we're going to look today. There's a world system out there. And we're going to see that. And this world system, it is owned and ran uh, by the enemy. And Satan would love nothing more than to steal and kill and to destroy. And by the way, every one of you in this room, he would love nothing more than to destroy your life, to destroy your marriage, to destroy your family. The scripture says the thief comes only. There's no other purpose. There's no other reason. There's no other motivation that he has. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I want to tell you something. Jesus has come that we might have life and that we might have it abundantly, that we might experience the joy of what Christ is doing in our lives, not just simply in the life to come, but in this life. You know, yesterday we had an incredible uh, time together as, as Heart for Families uh, ha- had a marriage conference here at Cowie. Appreciate Mary and Deidre and Samuel and Danielle and others that just invested uh, in our families yesterday and just reminded us uh, that God desires that we might experience abundant life in every part of our lives. And we do that. And, and here's the thing that's hard for us because many of us, when we say the word obedience and when we talk about, uh, you know, the scripture would tell us not to be hearers of the word, uh, but to be also doers of the word. And, and it's hard for us when we live in the midst of this broken world and in a culture where all of our lives, right, we want freedom. We even live, uh, you know, and, and I'm so thankful. Aren't you grateful for the freedom that we have this morning to gather and worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? We, we celebrate that freedom. But Jesus would, would allow us to see that in his kingdom that there's this upside down look where we experience freedom in obedience to Christ, and that those who are, are in sin and continue in sin, that they're slaves to sin. But Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And as we walk in surrender and obedience to Christ, we experience freedom and joy and abundance. And I want to remind you this morning, you may have been wondering, is he worth it? He is worth it. He's worth everything in our lives. And so I hope that you're all in as we jump in this morning. Uh, stand with me in honor of the reading of the Word of God. We're going to go through two verses, and then we're going to look specifically at verse 2 for a while. Uh, look at, at the Word of God with me uh, this morning. Scripture says this, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Will you pray with me? Father, we are grateful.
that, God, we find the will of God. Lord, we find your will in your word, God, and that we walk in obedience to that and that you, God, allow us to experience abundant life. You allow us to experience joy. God, we do uh, everything that we do. God, the worship that we give, the reason that we would be uh, crazy not to offer ourselves wholly and totally surrender to you, God, is we look back on your mercy, God, and we know that you are great and we know that you are good. And so, Lord, it is my prayer, God, that we would trust ourselves wholly to you, God, that, that today every person in this room, God, whether it be for the first time, God, or whether it be just a renewed commitment to you, God, that we would surrender, God, everything to you. God, if there's things in our lives that we're holding on to, places that the enemy, God, is, is, is tricking us into believing the lie, God, and, and, and falling into the pattern of this world, God, I pray that this morning would be a time of surrender, God, where we would lay anything down in our lives that do not look like you, and that, God, you might do something in us, God, that you might transform us from the inside out. And Lord, we promise to give you praise because you alone are worthy in Jesus' holy and mighty name. Uh, amen. amen. So what is God's will? You can be seated uh, this morning uh, just to kind of connect us back in from where we're at. What is God's will for our life? Some of you maybe come in and you're wondering that, like you're thinking about where you're going to go to college. That's, that's part of our conversation in my house. Uh, where should I go to college? What do I want to do here? What are these next steps that are in my life, right? And, and sometimes uh, I'm reminded that in my own life, and, and these verses, by the way, uh, these first two verses are, are some of the most transformative verses in my life. They're verses that God has used just in these defining moments uh, in my life, and I pray that they will be the same to you, right? But there was this season in my life uh, you know, we were kind of joking uh, as I was visiting with some folks coming in this morning, and they were, they were kidding about somebody being here, and they're like, hey, you got to, you know, like, keep on him, man. You got you know, just kind of doing those kind of things. You know, we're kind of kidding. And, and I'm thinking, like, you know, it's incredible. And I made this comment, like, if I can be here, anybody can be here, because I've seen what God can do. You know, the, the will of God is the transformation of his people, that he might change us from the inside out to look more and more like him. You know, there, there was a moment uh, in the, the marriage conference yesterday where Dieter was talking about different things that they were walking through and off and talking about Barry and seeing a change over these years in who he is. And I want to tell you something. God does a work in us. And the work that happens, it might be hard to see day to day, but over time and year to year, it is incredible what God does. It is incredible the transformation and the change that he takes and, and, and that he does in our lives as we submit to his will, as we walk in his plan. And so there was a moment in my life where I'm wondering, like, what is the will of God? And I'm thinking, God's calling me to ministry. And I'm thinking, you know, God, you know who I am. There's no way that you would want to use somebody like me. There's no way that you could use somebody. I'm too far gone. I've been gone too far down this road. There's no way that you could be speaking to me, God. And in the midst of that, I, I was a believer. And, and here's the problem that so many believers are experiencing in this world we are following Jesus Christ, but instead of experiencing the joy and the abundant life, we, we, we are walking and we look like Eeyores, like walking around, right? And that was where I was at, right? And that was where I was at that day. I'm like walking around, I'm talking to this guy, and I thank God that sometimes when we uh, hear and speak to other people in the body of Christ that, we, uh, that we're spurred along, right? You know, the scripture says, uh, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, right? And, and, and it says even more as you see the day approaching and it's Man, we can look around this world and we see the day approaching. We are closer than we've ever been before. And the scripture says, then we spur one another along to good work. So I got spurred along that morning as I was Eeyore in a bit. And I was talking to him. He said, how you doing? I said, well, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, I'm just trying to find the will of God in my life. I don't know. 
just kind of searching for the will of God. And sometimes we can get paralyzed in those things. Like we're trying to figure out, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should go to school over here or go to school over there. I don't know if I should do this or if I should do that. Should I play this sport? Should I? I'm trying to figure out what God's will is for my life. And this guy uh, just helped me a, a bunch in a moment. And, and I said, I'm just trying to figure out God's will. And he looked at me and he said, hey, let me tell you two things I think that can help you a bunch this morning. He said, number one, he said, God's will is not lost. And he said, number two, it's not your life. And he said, when you'll embrace those things, you'll find that you can walk in the plans of God. And, and, and whether God is concerned, at the, at the, and, and I believe God's concerned about all the details of our life, but it's not a tightrope on where we go to school and what we do here and what we do there. But God is interested in who we become and what he does in that process and who we become when we are there and, and what we're doing in the process because there's something beautiful that, that is working in our lives. So what is the will of God? First Thessalonians 4.3, we looked at it last week. He said, this is the will of God. So if you want to know what the will of God is, you can read right there. And he says, this is the will of God for you. Your sanctification, that you would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ and that you would be transformed and you would be uh, conformed into the image of his son. And, and, and Paul was so excited about what God was doing in the Philippian church that he said, I'm confident, I'm so confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, that he's going to see it through to the day of completion in Christ Jesus. And so there's this posture that says, God, we know you're working. And so we want to submit to your plans. We want to be conformed to your will. The growth that God is doing in you, this is his will in your life. And so in these verses, we see so much of how this happens. And we're going to see it through two things. We're going to see a negative command and a positive command. So we're going to see something we're not supposed to do and something we're supposed to do. And in the contrast of those two things, we're going to see what God does in our lives. And so we see in the very first part of this verse, he says, he says do not be conformed. So verse 2, do not be conformed. Now this word, uh, it's a word that we would get our English word schematic from. It's this word that would say, do not be conformed. It's interesting. It's a, it's a word that's in the passive tense in the Greek. And so it's important for us to understand those things because what we see is that if we're just idling, it's actually something that happens to us. But then there's this, this cooperative sense in this, this, this word uh, and in this term that lets us understand that, that we're cooperating in this work and we're to not allow ourselves to be conformed uh, by this world. And so this, this thought of being conformed, it's being shaped or molded or being formed. And when you see this word, it's this picture of external pressure. And so we live in this broken world. We live in this present age. And so when you see don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, it would be a better translation to say uh, of this age. Uh, that's the word in, in the original language that it is speaking of. And so this world refers to this passing age, this world uh, that is dominated by Satan, and what, by Satan. And what we understand is that the enemy is out to steal, kill, and to destroy. And it is through this world system. It is through uh, the, the systems and the things that, that Satan influences in this present world that I believe he impacts our lives in the most, uh, in, in the most dramatic ways. And there's this evil age that we live in. And so there's this command of Paul. Uh, there's this command of God through scripture that says, do not, it's an imperative. He said, do not be conformed uh, to, to, to be pressed into this mold of this present world uh, that we live in. J.B. Phillips would say, don't let the world press you into its mold. And so I borrowed from one of our staff families, right? James, you may have seen this one, right? This, this belongs to a little Donnie Jones, right? And so we're going to give it back to him after today. I've, I've been playing with it all morning. And 
And I don't know how many of you love a little Play-Doh, right? We, if you've got kids, you love that. I've cleaned it out of my, my floor. I've cleaned it out of all kinds of things, right? And so we get Play-Doh. We kind of mull it around and what we do. But, but what we understand is this is a Play-Doh factory machine right here. This is the fun factory uh, right here of Play-Doh. And, and what we understand is that we can put this down in here. And I was instructed not to put it in the top or I can cause all kinds of problems, right? So we're going we're gonna to put it down in there. And what we understand is that the way that this world system works, the way that everything is designed around us, that it is designed uh, not so that we might thrive and live in abundance with Christ, but that we might become distracted, that we might become deterred, and that we might become destroyed by the patterns of this world and that we might be pressed in. And so there's this picture. He says, don't let yourselves be conformed. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world because what's happening is the enemy is working through all these systems, through all these things. We're going to talk about some of those here in a few minutes, and we're being spit out in this cookie cutter, just look like the rest of the world dynamic. And, and if you're a young person in here, you're feeling the pressure. And uh, little Donnie, let me borrow this, and I'm going to call it the Mack truck of the devil, right? He doesn't have to use that, but this is like, but here's what's happening, right? See, we're living in the midst of this, this present age, and the Mack truck of the devil just kind of through this system, he's just pressing us, he's just running over us, a lot better than I'm doing with this, right? And, and and in that, right, he's just pressing us into this mold. He's just walking in those kind of things. And we're finding uh, even believers, right, who have been born again and saved by grace, where we're being impacted by this world system and we're uh, losing the radiance of what it looks like to live as followers of Jesus Christ. Like when we go out, man, there ought to be a change because the people of God have been in the presence of God. And every morning, by the way, that should look that way uh, in your home. And so we think about these things, materialism, peer pressure, the worldly things that are around us. Let's talk about entertainment for just a minute. Most of the, the people in this room, right, we live our lives, and, and in so many ways, so much of our lives is based on entertainment. You think about what you did this week and the choices that you made and the things that you're going to do when you leave church and the things you're going to do the rest of this week. So much of our lives is based on entertainment. And it's really become uh, kind of the motto and, and the kind of the thought of our culture. We're all around, we're saying, hey, entertain me. And, and we have these devices and, and there's so many things that, that we don't want to be bored for a second, right? Like, like our kids, like the generation that's coming up, the, the scariest thing to them, right, in a lot of ways is just boredom. And so we open our phones and we begin to scroll and, and there's images that pop in front of us and things that are there. And some of us spend hours and hours looking at a television. And, and, and a lot of times what happens with sin, see, the enemy is smart and he understands if we can laugh at sin and if we can allow sin gradually into our homes and into just parts of our lives, then all of a sudden it can become normalized. It can become something that we don't even recognize. And so through entertainment, what are we allowing in our homes? What is it? I want you to think about what you've allowed in your homes through this big screen that you have in your living room, or whether it be uh, what you've allowed in front of your children through the phone that they have, or, or what you've scrolled through in your own life for the sake of entertainment. And, and you know, I had a conversation with a student that was talking about a movie, and they made this comment about this movie, and I said, well, you could check it out on PluggedIn.com. And so parents, I encourage you uh, to look at PluggedIn.com. It's a place you can see, hey, what's in this movie? What are the things that are there? Because here's the reality, right? There's an influence that's happening in our lives through the things that we are taking in. And so I wonder, uh, of the things that you've allowed on your TV, would you allow me or someone else to walk into your home and do those things or say those things if we were physically there? Would you allow that to be in your home? Would you allow your children 
to do those things. But somehow the enemies made us feel like that what God wanted from us wasn't holiness, right? We bought into this lie that, that says, you know what? It really doesn't matter if we sin, right, as believers. Because somehow the enemy wants you to say, you know what? All, we all sin. We're all sinners. It don't matter. And there's a level of that when it comes to the condemning nature of sin. James would let us know that, that there's none righteous, not one, not one of us is, is righteous in this room. And even if we've committed what we would call a small sin that is condemning in nature and we're separated from a holy God because God in his holiness can have no sin in his presence. But I want you to understand that we live lives pleasing to God when we turn from the sin of this present age and we surrender ourselves and we look more and more like him. And when we look more and more like him, we look more and more holy in that way. And we don't have this arrogant holier than thou way about us, but we have this posture that says day by day, moment by moment, I'm surrendering my desires and my wills and my mind and my life. And in verse one, he said, I, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, because of what God's already done in your life, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And what did he say? Holy, holy. See, that's what God desires for us. Now, we experience joy. We experience uh, tremendous happiness as we walk in Christ. But God is more concerned with our holiness than he is with our happiness in the very present moments. Now, I believe we can experience both of those things. And we can experience the joy of walking in Christ. But, but here's the reality. We are to live holy lives before God. We're to be transformed. And, and we sacrifice on the, on, the, on the altar of entertain me. And we allow things to bombard our minds that we have no business allowing in. What are we allowing our homes? The world's fashion, right? There's influencers all around, and we look at what everybody's wearing and what everybody's doing. And, and here's the thing. See, we've got young people, and it, it's hard. It's hard to even go shopping and buy something that should be worn in public because the world system puts it out there, right? It's out there, and it's very difficult. It's very difficult and, and, and men are, are very visually driven, right? We understand those kind of things. There's, you know, there's a reason we, we've got the sexual integrity class that's coming up. And some people say, why would you do that? Well, because the will of God for you is your sanctification. And the second part of that verse is that you abstain from sexual immorality. So there's, a, there's, a, there's an understanding there. But here's the thing. See, we have traded and, and fit the mold of the world instead of the modesty of Scripture when it comes to what, how we're going to dress and how we're going to live and the things that we're going to walk in, right? And what we find is, is that social media and all the things that are around us, that it fuels this world system that we have. And so we've got young people and we say, if you want to be popular, if you'll watch Be Real and you'll watch Instagram and you'll watch Facebook, the girls that are posting something that are a little revealing, they'll have more likes and they'll have more things. And, and, and there's this system that continually feeds our mind. And we say, well, it's not that bad. It's not really that much because here's the problem. See, we've bought into the lie of the enemy that says, compare yourself to the worst that are out there. Compare yourself in the way you live to the Hamas that are, that are, that are terrorizing the world. Compare yourself uh, to, to these people that are far from God, lost people that are living in the midst of the world, and these people at the concerts, and the people that are there, and you've said, you know what, if I just live my life a little bit better than them, and I'll just dress a little better than them, and I'll watch less bad stuff than they do, and I'll do all that, but God's called us, listen, to be a separate people, to be a people that would come out from among them, and would allow the Spirit of God to transform us, and to change us, and, and that we might say, you know what, the, the goal of our lives, right, is to be in the Word of God, and that, that in that, that we would behold His glory, and that we would pursue 
the holiness of God, the sanctification of our lives, the world's fashions, the world's entertainment. What about the world's vocabulary? Listen, the, the, the world defines so many things. Like we, 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 we hear all this filth and this garbage, and somehow we hear it so much that it can become part of our conversation, and, and we can become part of, of the filthy, nasty, trashy talk and the things that are around. But the Scripture would say not to let any unwholesome thing come before you. He said that let all of our speech that it would be for the edification of one another, that there, would be, that there would be this wholesome, glorifying way that we would talk and way that we would walk and way that we would live. The world's vocabulary right, has no business in the life of a believer. And we compare ourselves to Jesus. And we say the goal is that we would look more like him. The world's music. Young people, what are you listening to? What is in your Spotify playlist? And if, and if you're a parent, you need to know what's in your young people's playlist and the things that are there. What is it that we are, are listening to? And some of us would say those things, uh, you know, it's no big deal, because. but I'm telling you, it's the lie of the enemy. God has called us to, to, to be separate, to live different, to, to live holy lives, to, to, to resist the, the things of this world. And he says, don't be conformed. The world's music, the world's attitudes, and, and what we understand is all these things, they clearly do not conform to the standard of God's word. And that sort of living is wholly unacceptable to God. And what he desires is all of you. What he desires is absolute and total surrender to him in your life. And, and the world, see, we've fallen in love with the lies. Well, the world has fallen in love with the lies of the enemy. I saw a quote by Shane Pruitt, a guy that I like to, to read. And he said this, the world has fallen so in love with lies that the truth feels like hate. Man, that was a mouthful. And see, the world's the lies of this world, the enemy's uh, deceitfulness. He's the father of lies. The truth is not in him. And what happens is in the midst of this world system, we begin to desire these things and we begin to have our own way. And we begin to say, this is how I want to live. And we begin to twist the scripture. We begin to say, we're going to take God and we're going to conform him to our will. We're going to say, well, my Jesus is okay with this. My Jesus does this. My Jesus does that. We're, we see this kind of twisting of who God is to justify sin in our lives when God has called us to say this is who our God is and we wholly surrender to him. He is immutable. His word does not change. He does not change. And so there's this negative command. Do not let the world conform you. Do not let the world press you into its mold. Don't let Satan just continue to, to do those things but be transformed. And the language here is graphic. Hang in here with me. This word transformed, it's from the word that we would get the word metamorphosis. The, the Greek word is a word that means from one form to another, to be changed from one form to another. We might think about it in the context of what a caterpillar does as it is changed into a butterfly, this metamorphosis, this beautiful picture that is there. It's this picture of us being changed in our outward appearance, right? And what we see about transformation, while this conforming to the world happens from external pressure, this transformation that God is talking about is something that happens from the inside out. This caterpillar to butterfly, right? You'll see that picture, right, of just this, uh, this dramatic change that takes place in life. And, and here's what we want. We want the caterpillar 
to kind of go away quick and, and we want to be the butterfly. We want to be the, the, the person and, and the reflection of Christ that God has for us. We want that so much. If I was to ask everybody in this room, how many people want to stay the caterpillar right now? We want to change. We want to be the butterfly. But what we understand is there's a process. There's a cocoon in the midst of that. We're going to look at that. This exhortation to be transformed, it's another cooperative command. So through our submission and response, God does the transforming. It's not something that we can do uh, in our own. But as we submit, as we abide in Christ, there's something beautiful that happens. Other places this word's used just really brings this out. In Matthew 17, 2, Mark 9, 2, we won't put those, uh, we won't read those for the sake of time, but it, it describes the transfiguration of Jesus Christ. And so there's this moment where the glory of God, right, where the inner essence of Jesus, where, where there's this picture where it's allowed to shine through his body. And, and there's a moment that his face radiates like the sun. That those that see him see the glory of God. His clothing was white with light. There's this incredible, beautiful moment. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, using the same word, metamorpho, we see this picture and he says, but we all with unveiled face. Right? He's talking about Moses and this, this time that he would get in the presence of God. And he, he says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. And, and so what we see is those who look on him, right? Remember, they're radiant. They're, 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 they're changed, right? And so there's this picture that we behold him, we become like him, and God does a work in us, what happens on the inside. It becomes visible on the outside, and, and you can see it over time. Like, like, I don't encourage you just to measure from day to day in this. It's like, man, when we, when we live in the midst of the frailty of this world, there's these, there's these Romans 7 moments where Paul's like, man, the things I want to do, I don't do. The things that I do, I don't want to do. There's this, this wrestling, right, that we have. There's these moments that are like that. There's these times where our lives, and we say, I know the thoughts I had yesterday. I know the things that were there. Am, am I really being transformed to look more and more like him? But hopefully, as we look at our lives over years and as we look at our lives over weeks and months and years and decades, that all of a sudden the people that are around us would say, there's no doubt that God has been transforming them from the inside out. And I'm not where I ought to be, but thanks be to God, I'm not where I used to be. And, and there's this evident transformation that God is doing in our lives. Now, this is not just simply an accumulation of knowledge. Right? The goal is not just to simply have knowledge or information. You, you can do those things. You can attend church. You can have knowledge about the Bible. These are important things, but we can't simply be satisfied with activity. We've got to understand that what God wants to do is to transform us from the inside out. Parents, you know this, right? We, we want our kids to behave. We want them to be transformed. Right? We want them to be to be great. And, and consequences can motivate that, right? We can help with some of those kind of things, right? But what our desire is, is not simply behavior modification. We just don't want to change so that they'll follow our instructions for a day, right? I, I read about this one little boy and, and he was, had gotten in some trouble and the parents had told him to sit down over there and not get up and to stay there for a while or whatever. And one of the siblings come by and you know how siblings can do. They kind of stick his tongue out and they say, well, I see you're having to sit there, you know, that kind of thing. And the, the little guy said, well, he said, I may be sitting on the outside, but he said, you need to know on the inside. He said, I'm standing up as tall as I can be, right? And, and we can have that kind of mindset. We can have that kind of thing because, see, behavior modification does not mean the same thing as heart transformation. And this can happen 
People can come in here and we can check the box. We can try to please our parents. We can try to say, hey, I'll walk in this way. I'll try to check the boxes of the Christian life. I can do those kind of things, but inwardly still be conformed to the spirit of this world and desiring to go our own way and live our own way. You may be able to fool your parents. You may be able to fool your neighbor. You may be able to fool the people that are around you, but you will not fool a holy God. He knows who we are. So what is this transformation that he desires? What is it that that he wants to see in us? There's this this beautiful picture, this internal change, a changed heart that results in a changed life. It's a changed heart. It reflects the character of Christ. And and on the outside, there's a change as a result, right? Moses, he, he climbed the mountain to go where he could access the Lord's glow, right? That's what we see in the Old Testament. And while we can't transform ourselves, we can put ourselves in places where we can be in the presence of God, where our exposure to the Word of God, where we come and we worship with the people of God and we proclaim the good news of who He is, it can grow us from one stage to another over time. We begin, right? We're dead and we, are, we pass from death to life, being born again into the family of God, babes in Christ, and we grow. Paul says we proclaim Him, Colossians 1.28. He says we proclaim Him, admonishing every man that we might present every man complete in Christ, that there's this goal, this heart to see transformation, right, that we are changed from one glory to the other. I'm going to give you three things I want you to do for application. We're going to worship our God together. They're going to be fast. You can leave them on the screen, but the first thing I want to encourage you is that you might embrace the cocoon. You hear us talking all the time about daily abiding in Christ. We want a fast way. We want to press a button and we want to be changed, but God uh, has chosen uh, for the Spirit of God to use the Word of God to transform the people of God to look like the image of God. It's how God works. And, and we understand that in this process between caterpillar and butterfly and between baby Christian and mature believer, that there's a process that is taking place, that there's something that God is doing. And it is in the secret of the cocoon where the transformation takes place. It is in the secret place when, when God's people are willing to say, you know what, God, I believe and trust what you said about your word. God, I believe that you do take the word of God and transform the people of God. So I'm going to get up early and I'm going to open the word of God. And I'm not going to simply try to check a box, but I want to pray, God, my body, my life, my everything, Lord, I surrender to you. And God, as I read your word today, I pray, God, that you would take your word and you would help me to look more like you. God, I pray that as I go out, Lord, because I've been in your presence, that they would look and they'd say, but isn't old Jason, he's just a dumb old ignorant fisherman. He just said, how could he do anything? And they would say, you know what? I, I, he is all those things. And, and you may be all those things. It is our weakness and in our weakness that God takes the weakness and the foolishness things of this world and he confounds the wise. And that people might look and say, you know what? I don't know too much about this person or this person or that person, but there's one thing for sure. You can tell that they've been with Jesus. Those who have looked on him, they're radiant. They're living for the glory of God. And we desire, right, that that might be what is seen in us. And the scripture would say that if you're in Christ, listen, don't, don't conform to the pattern of this world. The, the scripture would say that if you're in Christ, Ephesians 2.10 would say that you are his masterpiece, that you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to look like him. You, God, is taking and looking at you and in Christ you are his workmanship, his poema, his masterpiece created for good works that he's laid since the foundation of time that you might walk in him. This is who God 
sees you in Christ to be transformed and to walk in the will and plan of his life. So we embrace the cocoon. The second thing, we expunge the corruption. And we're going we're gonna to worship in a few minutes. And during that time, it is my prayer, and it has been my prayer as we lead up to this, that the people of God would be convicted by the Spirit of God to get rid of the things that don't belong in their life, that they might lay down those things, the corruption, the things that are all around them. And God knows the secret places. It's in the secret places where God does the work in the cocoon. And it's in where the secret places that nobody else knows about, where the enemy gets you in and he's got a big grin on his face as he presses you into this mold. And all of a sudden, when we confess and we repent and we allow the Spirit of God to clean us and to work in our lives. There's something beautiful that takes place and we are transformed and we need to get rid of the corruption. There's been moments, there was a moment uh, where my wife and I went to a marriage conference. I don't know how many years into our marriage we were fairly newly married and all of a sudden we went and we understood God's plan for our lives and what he desired to do in our lives. And we went home and we said, you know what, we got a clean house. We need to get rid of some stuff that doesn't honor Jesus because it's destroying us. And it's keeping us from reflecting his image. Listen, it's not about you, really. It's about the glory of God. We are believers following Jesus Christ, and we look on him, and we should radiate his glory to this world. When a a number of people in this room gather and lift high the name of Jesus, and we go out into this world, every week the world ought to be changed because the people of God have seen Jesus, and they go out into the world, and they say, listen, we're going to live our lives surrendered and holy for his glory. We're going to lay down sin. We're going to be who God's called us to be. And we're not where we used to be, but we're not where we ought to be. And so we're not going to be pressed into the mold of this world, but we're going to press on to the glory of his name. And here's what happens when you do that. Listen, we embrace the cocoon, the simple things, the grace of God that he's given us the word of God. We lay down those things, the sin. The scripture says this, that we would lay aside every weight and every sin. What's in our schedule? Sometimes it's not all bad stuff. Sometimes it's not all just sinful, clear, sinful behavior. But what we understand when we look at our lives, all we care about is entertainment. All we care about is is feeding our flesh and the things that we want. And what God desires for us is that our lives might be prioritized around Him. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Him first. First in our family, first in our lives. And when we do that, right, there's something beautiful that takes place. And what we do, right, we embrace the the, the cocoon. We expunge the corruption. We get rid of it. And in those moments, we enjoy the Creator. And what we find is there's a joy that we have never experienced. There's a joy. Then there's a peace that passes all understanding. And there's a rejoicing as we walk in fellowship with God. And as we pursue Him, man, our lives then become filled with the abundance because we are being destroyed by the enemy. The thief comes not but to steal, kill, and to destroy. And Jesus said, I've come that you might have abundant life to give you this abundant life. And it is available to us now as we walk in Christ. Will you pray with me? Father, we are grateful for your word. God, we are thankful, Lord, that you work, Lord, in in incredible ways, God, in our life through the simplest things. God, through just being faithful, God, to abide in you, Lord, being faithful to come and worship together. Now, there's something beautiful about when we worship together, Lord, and I pray 
that this morning could be a defining moment in some families. God, I pray in some young people, some teenagers. God, God, God if there's some things, Lord, that they have bought into the lie of the enemy, that, that this is no big deal, that this, uh, this substance that they've been trying, this, uh, this, this place that they've been going in their relationships, this, this, this area of their life that they've said, you know what, God, you can have my Sunday mornings. You can have those things, but I'm going to keep some of these things. And in the midst of that, what we find is that we find ourselves in bondage and in slavery. And this morning, God, I pray that we would lay down those things. God, anything in our lives, Lord, that is, is allowing us to be conformed into the pattern of this world. God, that we would surrender ourselves. God, that we would surrender that part of our lives, Lord, and that you might allow us to experience the joy of being in fellowship with you, God, with, with unhindered, God, with, with just this ability, Lord, because of, of, of your grace and your mercy, God, Lord, that, that we could look on you. And Lord, we could experience the joy that you have for us, Lord. God, change us from the inside out. Give us courage to lay down those things that so easily God beset us. And Lord, you help us, God. We can't run this race on our own. You transform us. You change us. You lead us. God, you take those places that we don't know what to do. Lord, you, you make those paths straight. God, we love you. We need you. And we give ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with me this morning? If you've never trusted Christ, I invite you this morning to repent of your sins and to surrender your life to him. He'll change you. And for every believer, may we surrender all.